0: Okay, we're here. Let's get started. Sweet. Okay, so um, welcome to the Poet Delayed podcast. Uh, i kind of excited today, as I am with all my podcasts, I guess, my, my episodes. I have an old friend with me, um, Allison Coombs Spencer. Um, she and I met, I guess, initially end of fourth grade when I moved back from Germany, and I was talking to you and I mentioned to you, I said, uh, I definitely remember you, but I don't have any specific memories. And I said, maybe you can, you know, refresh my memory. And you said, you know what? I remember you, but I don't have any specific memories either.
1: <laughs> we weren't forgettable. Just no.
0: In fact, how did you describe me?
1: The cutest boy in Davis County, the, ca- the boy that came and went.
0: Yes. Well, I need to get a business card that says that.
1: <laughs> the b- yes. The cutest boy. The cutest boy. Yes.
0: And we just reconnected recently, Facebook, and uh, um, you bought my book at King's English. Absolutely, I didn't even ask you to. You just did.
1: No, nope, I'm all. I'm happy to support friends and family.
0: Well, I appreciate that it meant a lot to me. And um, so, let's talk a little bit about you, and then we'll get into the podcast. Um, so, what what are you doing now? Or kind of just to help our listeners know a little bit about you, like what are your passions? What are you? What did you study in school? What are you doing now? Family, things like that.
1: Sure. And thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Scott. Glad you're here. It's fun, to, fun to be here and connect with you again. Uh, so yeah, I'm Allison Spencer. I grew up in Davis County, Bountiful, went to Viewmont High and University of Utah in social work, uh, worked for Child Protective Services and Children's Justice Center, uh, interviewing children and working with uh, a lot of Kids with behavioral issues for about 12 years, and then through a fluke of not happy accidents, I guess I don't know what I'd call it. I I fell into fundraising, and uh, for the last 12 years have worked for uh, nonprofits and raising money for STEM education in the state of Utah. So that's in between all that, I used to run marathons. I love laughing, baking. I used to cater. Uh, And was that
0: your own catering company or did you just, yeah,
1: with a friend of mine who we, he would do the dinners. I would do the desserts. I'm, you can ask all my friends. I'm a dessert lover.
0: What's your favorite dessert to bake?
1: Uh, I have a few, but almond bread. That's my staple. It's crack for
0: almond bread,
1: almond bread. It's, it's not quite marzipan. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know, less pasty, I guess. It's a it's a pastry. And then I love, I'd, I never liked store-bought cakes. So when my kids were little and, you know, you have a birthday cake, I would make cakes from scratch because I wanted them to taste good. Mm. And so that, you know, we've got the carrot cake, the lemon cake, the red velvet cake, the chocolate cake. We I rotate those.
0: So um, one of my favorite cakes, I, I don't eat a lot of cake, but one of my favorites is the red velvet f- from Bunt. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Nothing, nothing nothing, Bunt Cakes. Yeah. yeah. They're not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> so they're, yeah. Maybe, but <laughs> it could be. Yeah.
1: Good choice. Yeah. No, I, I love, I love baked goods.
0: Yeah. I like to cook, but I've never really got into baking, but I like to, I like to cook uh, cast iron steaks is what I've been cooking lately. Nice. Re- reverse searing them. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. My kids like them.
1: It's an art form. It's it's fun. I feel a lot of connection through cooking for people, and um, so that yeah, that's one of my many passions. But
0: so you ran marathons. How many would you say you've ran?
1: Um, I've run. I've only ran three, and only, I've only yes. I know, and which is quite I, a feat actually. Because I, I I think so. I, I don't think anyone's really truly built for marathon running. I'm not. I, I learned that the hard way. The third marathon, but. Uh, we won't, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I've ran a, a couple of dozen half marathons and I used to run for, to, to look great. And then during kids, it was more to be a nice mom. And <laughs> now it's so I can enjoy Ben and Jerry's and ah, just for sanity.
0: There's gotta uh, be some sort of a, like exercise. A, a, a graph where you can chart that. Like when you're younger, you run, you know, age and the reason why you run. Yes. Yes, and Ben and & Jerry's is always a good reason to yeah, do thing. Yeah, I'd,
1: I'd love to sponsor. I'd love a little 1K or even a 5K Ben & Jerry run where we all eat ice cream after. I think that would be a lot of fun.
0: You know, the first 5K I ever ran was with John Mayer, a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. And it was in Centerville. Uh, I remember because I ran with my dad. My dad ran with me. And that was the most brutal thing I'd ever done in my life. I beat John, though. Oh, snap. I hope John's listening. I I do, too. I don't know (laughs) that he does. But, John, I beat you then. But he he and I have ran some uh, relay races together. That kid's fast. He's fast. Yeah. So I did beat him the first time though. But I remember laying on the grass afterwards and they had ice cream and they had like popsicles. But I remember laying on the grass, looking up at the sky, wanting to throw up and just thinking, never <laughs> <What>? again. <Why? laughs> never again. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, and then how many kids?
1: I have three kids, uh, 21, 17 and nine year old. Mm-hmm. I like and to which, spread them out quite a ways.
0: That's good. And which one's your favorite?
1: Oh, geez. It depends on the day. That's a good answer. (laughs) It depends on the day. It's a really good answer.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, And so now, what do you do now for hobbies? Anything?
1: Uh, I like to, oh my gosh, a lot of my hobbies are things that I like to do with my kids, but I love traveling, uh, baking, as we talked about, exercise in general, Mm -hmm. uh, reading. I'm in a couple of groups where we read and discuss and I have a dog, Lola, and my I've husband. met your dog. Yeah, Lola's great. she's she's got a cone of shame on right now. <laughs> she got bit sadly, but um, yeah, so I, there's not much I don't like to do besides laundry and you know the mundane, but uh, yeah, I'm just I'm an enjoyer of life.
0: That's good. that's that's good. I, I also enjoy life and I also don't enjoy laundry. I like yeah. having clean laundry. Does
1: anybody? There are people there I'm are sure there people are. that love laundry. Well
0: I enjoy doing the dishes.
1: I'm not friends with them.
0: I enjoy like I don't have a dishwasher but I enjoy like stacking up the dishes and taking my time yeah. washing them. I'm sure there's people who don't enjoy doing that.
1: It could be therapeutic and calming I
0: could. it is um, So first of all I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I appreciate your coming and uh, I asked you I gave you the option to choose a poem. And you had a few that you wanted to do, and then you decided on one. And that poem is, drum roll, drum roll. Okay, I hope everybody heard that drum roll. That Allison just did. Okay, the, the, it's okay. Here it is. Boom, boom, boom.
1: She is steady and she waits. Yes.
0: So what I want to do is I want to read it, and then I'm interested to hear what your thoughts. What what drew you to this? Sure. Okay. All right. Let me get a drink of water, actually. When my mouth gets dry, I call that general conference mouth. (laughs) You get the white stuff in the corners of your mouth, you know. Anyway. Okay, she is steady and she waits. Truth circles at a distance when the deceiver dreams its dreams next to you in the night and fills your ears with whispered words to cloud your heart in the day. She circles and is ready though invisible to your lowered eyes and silent to your selective ears. Yet she waits, truth always waits. She will not depart, though the mountains do. She is there, and she waits for you to go to her. She will not come to you, but she is steady, and she waits. So, what is it that that drew you to that poem that made you think this is the one I'd like to talk about?
1: Well, I mean, I've had... I've had quite a year mm-hmm. that I think relates a little bit to this poem, Scott. Um, but I love the metaphors that you have in the. You really have to pay attention to this poem to understand uh, that it's about truth mm-hmm. and that truth hurts. Yeah. It's, it can it can seem deceiving, and I feel like just what it says at the end. It, truth always comes to light but everyone's truth is different and that, you know, it's there for you. You have to be able to seek it and, you know, and I guess seek it in your own way. So I think it was, uh, of all your poems in this book that my mother sleeps, this one was pretty poignant to me over the last year.
0: Well, and I, and I want to talk about that because you have had quite a year. Um, I do want to say what I love about what you just expressed is that when I wrote this poem and we talked about this a little bit earlier, I came, you know, this poem came from a different place than what you explained, but I love that you read it and you got something out of it that, that you were, I don't know if that you were looking for is the right word, but, but it resonated with you and it, and you found, found something in it. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. That makes me so happy when people come to me and say, I love this poem because it says X, Y, and Z in it. And I thought, you know what? I didn't write it with X, Y, and Z, but that is beautiful. I wish I did write it with X, Y, and Z. So yeah. um
1: That's the great thing about poetry that I'm learning. You know, I you're you're a true poet. I I joked that a lot of my poetry seemed more like a rap,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which is poetry. But Eminem is one of the best poets out there. Uh, You know, I love.
1: But what I love about your poems, and particularly that one, is I love Khalil Gibran, Mm -hmm. the the Prophet, which is like the third most popular book I think ever. Really, Um, and I I love how he writes metaphorically, and you really have to think about it and. Um, relate it to your own life. So yeah, I really appreciated that in thinking about truth.
0: I, I like what you, you said, you know, again, I'm coming at this now as if you had written the poem and I'm interpreting and I'm hearing your interpretation. It's almost as if you had written the poem yourself now because of how you're, the interpretation that you have about it and coming at it from what, how you explain where the truth is hard and truth hurts um, and one thing that I'm learning in my life and is, is that you can't run from truth because I mean, you can run,
1: you can, but you can't hide. <laughs> yeah. It's going
0: to get you like, there, there's another poem that I wrote called, uh, uh, terrible potential where I, where I write, um, where is it? Uh, I say there's no escape, there never was. I'm running from this thing that's pursuing me, and then I realize there's no escape, there never was. There's no escape, there never is from truth either. It is always there at our doors, but truth Facing truth and accepting truth is really the only way to, I think, for me at least, my experience has been is the only, acknowledging reality, I guess, and truth, my truth and my reality is the only way to live a meaningful life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um,
1: Yeah, and we all have to seek truth and it means different things. I actually just had this conversation with uh, my dear friends who were like, what is, you know?" when you're talking about your truth, that might not mean the same thing to someone else, but it, and it can be a belief system, but I think there are absolute truths. Yes. That, um, and that we still can see them differently, but it, it's all in your approach. If you're seeking truth, you're going to find it, you know, and, and, and it hopefully can help you improve your life.
0: Yeah. there I, I, I do believe that there are definitely absolute truths. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know how we could navigate life without absolute truths. Just like you need, you know, like you need the polar star, you know, or Polaris. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a set star. So you need these absolute truths to be able to navigate life. But within that, we all are unique Mm -hmm. and we all have different needs and and, and things. So absolutely. Um, So, so when you look back, well, let's, if you don't mind, let's give everybody a, a kind of a, some background about what's been going on in your life last year. Um, sure. I'm going to just let you talk. And if I have a question, I'll jump in.
1: Okay. Uh, well, ironically, I was Bob Ross for Halloween in October of 2021. And nothing ironic about I, that. Well, the guy was extremely talented and had great hair. That's, yes. Right. fabulous. So hair. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew something was wrong with me. I, When I had COVID in 2020, I had significant pain in my chest area that I was worried, is this my heart? And it never really went away. Uh, I, it wasn't a heart problem. I, I wasn't even terribly sick when I had COVID. But it kind of came and went. And then I, um, I had a swollen lymph node and would do the traditional routine where you do blood work and everything was always fine, so it never took it a step further. But when it didn't go away, we biopsied it, and lo and behold, it turned out I have uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which cancer is a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, I've been told many times since that I got the lucky. (laughs) I was fortunate to get the lucky cancer, which I definitely uh, am going with. Uh, regardless, going through chemotherapy, losing your hair, side effects that come with it, hoping you don't die, all of that um, plays into quite a significant experience. And now I'm on the other side. I'm in remission. You know, I went through five months of treatment. My hair now is like Bob Ross. (laughs) It's incredibly curly, and it wasn't before before. you straightened it nicely today. though. I straightened it today. I told you, uh, I've named my hair Shaka Khan. She wasn't <laughs> feeling the curls today, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of what happened this past year. It's, uh, I guess I describe it as, the worst, and in some ways the best year.
0: So, when you first found out, when when you first were told that yes, this is cancer. Can you, what was that like? I, I can't imagine, because cancer is a scary word.
1: Right. It's a scary word. To everybody. Word. To
0: everybody. I mean, I, I was mentioning to you that, you know, every now and then I'll stop and I'll think, there's probably like dormant cancer in me. Like right now I feel fine. <laughs> but, you know, one day maybe I, I, I don't. I, I know people who have passed away. They've been diagnosed with cancer and three weeks later they've passed away. Right. And, and so I'm just, I'm curious, like when you were first told this, what 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 went through your mind?
1: Uh, shock, of course, denial. Uh, I immediate I'm pr- a, quite a visual learner, and you know the scene in Monty Python where he cuts off his arm mm-hmm. and he's then he cuts off his basically cuts off every limb and right. he's the person I can't even remember his name was denying that there was any pain yes. happening right, right That's how I felt. I actually made jokes about it because. I was healthy you know I was exercising I was doing all the things I wasn't drinking or smoking or the questions that you get asked on the paper when you mm-hmm. go to the doctor uh, so I I definitely felt like it was a mistake in fact I tried to convince my doc my oncologist the day that he went in to go over a plan of treatment why I didn't think it was cancer oh,
0: <laughs> telling the expert what
1: and he listened he was so gracious uh, yeah I, I let him know that I thought it could have been rheumatoid arthritis. I had pain, maybe residual through running. And he listened to the whole thing and, uh, didn't, didn't deny it. Didn't totally validate it, but didn't deny it. And then he said, all right, well let's look at your cancer <laughs> up here on the screen and, and talk about treatment oh, options. Man. So, uh, that was my first step in learning that you not denying it and accepting the truth. Yeah. Like, like your poem, uh, is going to serve you much better than fighting it the whole time.
0: Was there a point where you did just say, okay, this is cancer and I need to figure out what to do?
1: Yes. So I, I think I had moments where I wanted to say I did that, but Mm -hmm. then my mind would go back to no, 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 this is, you know, but yeah, I have a friend, uh, she is living with, metastasized breast cancer. She's terminal. Mm-hmm. And this last year she learned that her treatment stopped working. So it she's definitely on a ticking clock. Right. And when she learned that I uh, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, she kind of gave me a scope of what it was going to be like. And you know, she didn't just say, oh, four months of treatment, you're it's a slam dunk, it's highly treatable, you're going to be fine. She was very realistic and said, "I, you're gonna have a rough year." She goes, "Definitely ten months." And she kind of, and I didn't want to hear that at first. I was right. a little bit um, turned off. And she took a hold of me and said, "The best thing you can do is accept that you have cancer right now, and and that will help you." And I, I came home and really thought about that and and did that. From that day on, it was like, okay, I, I. I do have cancer and it, we don't know the end result, but we can hope for the best and we got to treat it like we are going to get through this. So
0: I think but, you, I think you told me about this friend of yours.
1: She's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, Enos. Yes.
1: The German sensation.
0: The German <laughs> sensation. she She's the one I gave that other haiku to, right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. I remember that. You've gone to lunch with her the day that I dropped yours off yes. at your house. Um, and so how far into it were you when... When
1: uh, when I talked to her yeah, about when, it? Yeah, when
0: she got you straight.
1: Uh, I hadn't started treatment. I had just recently been told what stage I had. I'm stage two unfavorable, which is great and that it hadn't spread to vital organs, but it was unfavorable and that it was like shattered across... Mm. 13 different places in my lymph nodes. So, um, yeah, that I hadn't started treatment. So I think early in, it was great. And I will just say that for anyone going through any painful situation or health problem is to accept it and to, um, don't be afraid to reach out to people. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that want to tackle things privately Mm -hmm. and that's not who I am. And I definitely took a hold of any, you know, people want to call you, they're afraid of that word, like we said. And, and I don't want to say they make it about them, but they want to know what they can do for you. And you, I just let them. And I think the more I did that, the more I, I felt the love and I know that it did something for them. So it was uh, a miraculous time in Receiving that I've not been used to in the past.
0: So, uh, do you? Is that? Uh, I I guess you just answered what I uh, answered the question before I asked it. So, that's not your normal course of business where you allow people to come in and help you with things. It's, no. Is that first statement? <laughs>
1: uh, before a month before I was diagnosed, I was just finishing up a three-year church calling mm-hmm. where I was in charge of. 200 plus women and, and not that I didn't let people help take care of me. I think COVID changed that for a lot of people. You know, I, I got COVID pretty earlier on when you had to quarantine for like a month and you don't really have a choice in, in times like that. It's, it's either you go it alone and I'm not saying that's not the way for some people, but it can be pretty lonely and um, discouraging if you don't have someone stepping in or, um, you know, I have a pretty, uh, sensational sense of humor and l- really like, uh, treating things with humor. And so things like that helped me instead of just thinking I could do it myself.
0: We've got a visitor just popped in. <laughs> this is my son Cruz. what you do? You skip in school? Hi. Oh, no, I get off the oh. it's okay. Friday. <laughs> okay. Well, Love you. Keep to Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice to... This is Allison. Allison's is Cruz. Nice Good to you. see you. Um, well, let's use that as a segue into your kids. So how did they take it?
1: Uh, I had a son on a mission. So that um, telling him was definitely scary. Uh, Where was he? He was in South Korea. So he's oh. all the way across the, the continent. And luckily- World. He had, yes, thank you, <laughs> on a different continent. He had a great mission president who was very understanding and um, helpful to him. And he only had a month left of his mission. So, and then when I found out I was stage two, I'm like, Jake, you got to, you know, you don't, you don't need to come home. Mm. I don't, uh, it turned out I didn't start treatment until December. So he would have been home at the time. And all my kids were a saving grace. They were hilarious. Um, They still are. They were very respectful and real. And I feel like, you know, it was was a terrible, painful time. And I'm sure not just for me. Um, So being able to be real with them and talk about, you know, what could happen or how you're feeling and how they're feeling. uh, They, I couldn't imagine going through without my family and my kids and my husband
0: did they ever express to you in maybe some quiet moments? You know, I come from a big family when, when, you know, there were a lot of us kids, whenever we'd be around, it's kind of hard to have when, whenever we would get together, it's kind of hard to have like deep conversations. And so I'm wondering, did they ever talk to you about like, so I, I guess I'm just assuming that when you're all together, It's more kind of general conversation, but did any of them, and correct me if I'm wrong there, but did any of them ever come to you in quiet moments and say, mom, I'm scared or, or what's going to happen?
1: Uh, no, really? No. In fact, my oldest son, once he learned my stage Mm -hmm. and, you know, he trusts science and all my kids really believe in, um, the beauty of how science works. They, they were pretty much on the offense and were just cheerleaders. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, they cried with me, especially, uh, when I, you could tell they didn't feel good, but no, I think, you know, you'd think like, not that I need them to do everything perfectly, but they're still teenagers. (laughs) And I still worked. I worked during, you know, there, I'd feel really crappy for a week. And then my work was so gracious in letting me take that time, and there was a bank set up for that. But, no, I tried to um, work and stay busy, and I think that was healthy for my kids to see. And, uh, no, my 9-year-old gave me massages and notes <laughs> and cards, and she let her teacher know. She she didn't cry as much in front of me. I, I Maybe she didn't feel like that was appropriate, but she'd cry at school when she really? wasn't around, and luckily she had a teacher that was always there for a hug or to give her words of encouragement
0: you know I I've I'm so grateful for for people like like your daughter's teacher who you know because as a, as a parent especially when you're going through something hard like this I mean you have your emotions are limited uh, you've got to, um, to, to have other adults out there who love your children and are sensitive to them you know I, I've got you know, some neighbors who my kids can go to and talk to and who are loving, respectful. So I'm grateful that it just seems like you don't get teachers like that much anymore. Right. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like we, we had the right people at the right time. Uh, the first day I came home from chemo, it was, I had a bad reaction to the chemo. So I ended up being there twice as long as anybody thought. So of course everyone was yeah, worried. What, what happened? And, uh, I got home and my my best friends in the neighborhood had heart attacked my room <laughs> with all these hearts everywhere mm-hmm. and complete irreverent sayings that...
0: Like what? Share one. Oh. Even if I have to put an E for explicit um, on this episode, just share one. Let's see. Your favorite one.
1: Just references to like Chris Cornell, you know, or Golden Girls. Things that I'd love that maybe they would say and so I could lay there and laugh Mm. and um, know that though this is the worst thing I've ever done to date that I could get through it and I kept those up for five months like (laughs) my poor husband (laughs) was probably like okay I think we can (laughs) bring these down now but I needed them I needed them
0: do you still have them in a special place I
1: have them in a special place I have all the cards all the um, funny sayings I had a little cancer corner with books and um, just lots of things that people were so great to help. And it taught me a lot about um, if you think you need to do something, but you want to make sure you ask what to do, just do something. I, I mean, I had a lady I didn't even know. She was one of my son's friend's moms. She just called me and said, hey, I've got, I think, seven kids Sorry if I can't remember, but she <laughs> she goes. I go to Costco every week. I'm gonna bring you home a Costco chicken. If you ever want anything else in addition, I'm. I just want you to know that I'm gonna do that for you because it's really easy for me. That chicken was my bloodline. Uh, That's, like one of those rotisserie the chickens. Roti- the 4.99 yeah. chicken every week for five months. This actually, she did it longer. She did it after I was told I was in remission. She brought me chicken every week and just things like that. It taught me just do it, just do something, you know, even if it may not be helpful, uh, it's important for those people to know that you're thinking about them and you care.
0: Yeah. I think that's just do Cause I, I feel like for me, I, I know I've had the impression to do stuff for people and I, and then I start thinking and I play it out in my mind and all the, all the, ways that maybe I'll look stupid if I do it, if it doesn't go right or, um, but there've been times where I've just gone ahead and did it anyway. And I think, and, and I've had people do that for me, just, just done things for me. And, and just the fact that, that they were thinking about me and reached out and did something for me. It means a lot. I don't care what it is. You yeah. Know? I don't care what it right. is. Um, you mentioned laughter. You know, we always hear laughter is the best medicine. Did you find that to be true?
1: For me, yes. I think it's always... I know who to call if I need a, like a completely unnerving joke to shock me out of my system. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son is probably the best. He still, with my hair growing in many crazy ways, he'd see me. And of course, I just want you to know this was complete out of love because he of course thinks I'm amazing and the most incredible Why thing, wouldn't right? He? Why wouldn't he? <laughs> right. No, he would I'd come out and he'd be like, Mom, you look fabulous. You know who you look like and then he'd do a side by side picture. <laughs> it was usually like a ball of dust <laughs> or a sponge bob, like all dried out and it, they were so comical or like a Buddhist monk because I was completely bald with uh-huh. the robe on. Um And you couldn't help but, like, die laughing because, yeah, it's true. I mean, it sucked, and it, you know, I didn't choose to. I know there's people that I have friends that have shaved their head, and it's like they're badass, and it's so awesome. But when you don't choose that, it's Mm -hmm. a little bit different scenario for me anyway. And so to have that, like, reality check, like, yeah, you can, it can still be terrible, but you can still find ways to laugh at it and move forward.
0: Well, I saw a picture of of you um, without your hair, and I thought you wore it well. In fact, I, you, you wore it like Sinead O'Connor wore. I mean, you wore it well.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, to be honest, now that my hair is growing back there, I feel like I did look better bald <laughs> some days <laughs> what does your now. Think? but does he, th- he loves... You know what? That's the great thing about Ryan. He loves me no matter what. Hmm. Even if it looks horrible. We, we have a good laugh too. Like he's, he's more careful to tell me who I might look like. Smart. It doesn't smart. go over probably as well. Um, but no, there's absolute unconditional love that, um, was, I, I think I knew it before, but it was totally reaffirmed throughout this experience that I had.
0: So were there moments, were, were there, were there ever moments? Well, I, I assume there were, but so it was just can you share a moment where you just felt like the world's just falling apart?
1: Yeah, I actually had quite a few. Uh, like I said, you don't know what your response is going to be to chemo and if it's going to go away or get worse. And uh, Hodgkin's is a treatable, but it's also very aggressive. And I ended up in the ER a few times during my treatment. And one of those times I happened to be alone, um, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, so I just drove and told my husband after I got there, and I sat there thinking, "What if I died right now? What do I have like a? What do I have enough that my kids would know like my top ten? Mm-hmm. You know, or some? What w- what's the most important thing I would need them to know?" And so sitting there in the ER waiting for twenty minutes, I just got on my phone and made a top ten list, oh. and. Uh, I've since lost it, which I think is okay, because I'm feeling good. And each day gets better. But I can remember at least five of those things that I thought, you know, everyone should do that. Not, not if you're dying, or, you know, if you're having a bad day, you should have things that you think are the most meaningful to you that you would want someone to know about, especially your kids.
0: Can, do you remember those five? Would you like we can share? sharing them? Yeah,
1: I know a few. I, um, some are funny, some are spiritual. Perfect. But, uh, definitely that you were loved unconditionally by, in it, by a higher power, by God, that he knows you, that he loves you individually, mm-hmm. unequivocally, um, that you make a difference in everyone's life you know, that you, that it's important to try. And no disclaimers. I, that's like such an important one where I, I have to do public speaking sometimes, or when you get up to give a church talk or whatever it is, I've never been a fan of uh, people giving disclaimers before they begin. It just kind of turns you off from listening. Like, I feel the same way. If I sat down today and said, oh, Scott, I'm so sorry. This is, you know, I'm not really prepared and this is yeah. going to be horrible. and I mean, you stop listening, right? Yeah. So I wanted my kids to know: do not get up and do that. No disclaimers. Uh, so things like that.
0: Did did when you when you? By the way, I, I love that last one. No disclaimers because I I try to live by that as well. Just you know, I'm just going to give it, and you can yeah. get what. Or with cooking, yeah. Don't
1: Don't tell them it's going to be horrible before you put it down, right. or, or they're going to put that in their head.
0: <laughs> right. So when you wrote that list down, when you did, like, were you when you were thinking about writing it down? Did you have some some anxiety or some some maybe anxiety is the wrong word but what was what were you feeling as you thought I need to get this out to my children
1: Yeah I definitely felt anxious uh fearful really I mean I I really came to terms with death during covid in itself I mm-hmm. think a lot of us did with you know we're having earthquakes and just things that we haven't really experienced with this li- this very life of luxury that we've all been living. Yeah. And I think we've talked about death a lot more, but I was terribly fearful of not so much dying, but not being there for my kids, you know, missing their milestones and what would, the more feeling so sorry about that. And so that's why it was really important and therapeutic for me to go through and list out those things.
0: So you say it was therapeutic. So as you were writing them out, did, did it lift some of that anxiety? Yeah.
1: Yep, I did. And I ended up leaving that same day and things worked out and it was a good day. Not every day was good like that, but I think having that attitude and, you know, accepting the bad parts and knowing that they're real and acknowledging them is important. Mm-hmm. But then I think you need to have a plan of, okay, that sucks, but now what? Um, and and that might just be a prayer, or calling a friend, or making a list. It might not change your situation, but I think working out how to have that plan in place is important. Otherwise, you'll just stay stuck in the This sucks.
0: I've always, like in in my life, because I, you know, I've never had cancer, obviously, so this is not in comparison there, but like when, when I'm in moments that are difficult and I'm scared to face them, I, I always think back to you know when Christ fed the 4,000 and the 5,000. He said, find out what we got. What do we have to work with? Okay, we know what we have to work with now. Okay, and now let's make it work. And I've always thought about that, and, that, and kind of what you said reminded me of that. You know, Accept the reality and then make a plan. Right. And then you at least know what you have. And and then you know what you can do. And for me, what that's done for me is I can feel like, okay, I've done everything that I could do. And so there's no sense in being stressed about the stuff I yeah. couldn't do.
1: Well, and you bring up a miracle. I mean, that was a miracle that Christ performed. And I think I, I saw miracles this last year that I probably wouldn't have even paid attention to or recognized as a miracle. Um, I think it's important not, not only for your growth, but I think once you start making a point to notice miracles, however small they might be, you're going to see a lot more of them, you know? I mean, even something is stupid. I don't, this is not a miracle, but pre-cancer, I hated, hated the Mariah Carey song all I want for Christmas is you, like <laughs> nails on a chalkboard.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: I don't know what it was. Maybe it was chemo, or my brain is functioning differently now. But I love that song. Not hmm. now at Christmas. So I, th- I'm not saying that that's a miracle. I mean, it truly is because you can ask my kids; they would. Well, it's play unexplainable, it. at least. It's unexplainable, <laughs> right? But no, I think we. Uh, I've been told by church leaders that I believe in this past year, don't just look for miracles, expect them.
0: Hmm.
1: And I think the more you look for good, even going through a hard time, whatever it might be, uh, you're going you're gonna to see more of that. You can always see negative. You can always look for uh, bad things because they're everywhere. It's surrounding us. You have to make a conscious effort to realize the miracles in your life
0: like that um i will say that that song is also nails on a chalkboard to me it's up <laughs> still there. is it's i'm a, gonna work on it okay i'm gonna next okay. year you make me I'll a, help it a christmas playlist that song and paul mccartney's we're having a wonderful christmas time those two christmas songs yeah, I, don't I just love that one either. yeah i don't know it's paul mccartney though you know i mean he enjoyed, <laughs> yeah. i think it was uh leonard bernstein steen said that John Lennon and Paul McCartney were the greatest composers of the 20th century. And then he goes and writes that stupid Christmas song. <laughs> but anyway, but back to, to your point, point. one thing. Does this, I'm going to say something. Tell me if this relates, if you relate to this. I have found that like, like I don't watch the news anymore because of all the negativity. It, I, I don't, it's just, I can't do anything about it. So I just cut it out. And I found that as I, as I interact with people on individual levels, because the news makes it, seems like, seems like, makes it seem like the world's on fire and it's all going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know why a handbasket, but it's all going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> but I have found that when I take the focus away from the, uh, the mass, the huge, and start interacting with people on an individual basis, there is so much goodness in the world. So much goodness in the world. You know, we have these these, you know, these conflicts with these different nations, but when you get down and you, and you look one of those, you know, a citizen of a different nation in the eye, and, and you look at them, there's no hatred there. I mean, I'll bet you the vast majority of the, the, the is, there's no hatred there. Yeah. And so to your point about looking for the good, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about doing things for people. When you want to do, go do it, because I have noticed that in my life that as I've gotten down and interacted with individuals, you see their goodness, their humanity, and you have sympathy and empathy for them, and there's just a lot of good in the world.
1: Yeah, well, and you, I mean, it's good to be informed, but again, going back to truth, it's, everyone has a different perception of what that is. And we can argue about that very easily. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, people mean well. Uh, and when it comes to life and this experience I had, uh, people really treasure life. I mean, we as a society value life and want a meaningful life. And that's that's a beautiful thing. You know, I don't think... Uh, being informed is good, but yeah, I think overall, it's it can get carried away and exacerbated to what the real truth is. Right. So you do you have to, you. It's good to be informed, but you should have someone that you can process and talk about. With.
0: Yes, like uh,
1: that you're not going to debate with every time. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Um, pointless debates too. Yeah. Um, so what did, were there? Were the things that were, did you have certain fears that were greater for you than others when when you went through this? Was there anything that that really weighed heavy on your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, death is right there, front and center. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think each stage brought a different fear, and not knowing if I had cancer or what it was was probably the worst. The waiting. Because you find out you have cancer but you don't actually find out what stage for almost mm. a month while they're doing all the tests it's it's a really weird system um, so that I mean I don't recommend now that we can get online and look at those things that's my advice is don't you're not a don't professional look at your yeah <laughs> uh, even if you are a doctor I mean just take that time to be with family and I don't want to say don't pretend nothing's wrong but uh, so that was a hard stage definitely. I thought losing my hair would be I mean, I love my hair. I felt like it was my one true beauty, like in <laughs> little women. Like uh, but then once it was gone, it became so insignificant. Like and a lot of people on social media, of course, it was, oh, that's so horrible in your hair, and but really those things become insignificant. And And then when you're up there, I'm sitting at Huntsman, you know, you see on movies where people will go and sit with their friend during chemo. That was never my experience because you're, you feel like crap and I like to entertain and I, I didn't want people there. I just wanted it to be my husband and, you know, my mom came once and she saw that it wasn't a, you know, wasn't the best experience to come through. So every stage you find something new that's unexpected that you have to work through.
0: Um, you mentioned something to me before we 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 came on today, which is about your kids. I know that you had fear, like if if you if you pass away, you know your kids are going to be. I, I don't remember how you how yeah. you phrase it, but they're going to be lost. They're gonna they're not going to be able to have a life. Can you talk to that? Because I thought that was so beautiful. And in yeah. in addition to that, kind of some things that have happened that that really helped you come to terms with that and and feel better about that?
1: Well, I can, I can tell you, first of all, I don't, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't think, I'm not one that believes the mantra things happen for a reason. I think Mm -hmm. horrible things happen that are senseless, but I do believe God works in mysterious ways. And when I reconnected with you, I had no idea that your mom passed away when you were nine, 10, 10, you're young. Um, so I found that once I found that out, I was very intrigued, but I was also quite certain I was meant to reconnect with you for a certain reason because mm-hmm. I was going through this fear of death. And then uh, a couple months later, I was at an event where I met one of my favorite authors, Terry Tempest Williams, incredible environmentalist, wonderful about life and meaning and nature. And in our talking, uh, I did not know that her mom passed away from cancer. And she's written about it in a book that I'm now reading. And just hearing it from her point of view and what she went through with her mom was really important to me this past year. A couple months later, there was another individual who I became very close with this year, but never um, more in running into and just admiring them. and then it came out that this person's mother died when they were 9 years old mm. and there was a fear there like why do i keep running into people whose <laughs> parent passed away what does this mean am i going to die and you know what i might i might be hit by a car tomorrow i don't we don't know that's that's the hard and scary part the truth about death is Uh, I could. I hope I don't. I'm healthy now. I'm in remission. If it ever comes back, I hope Jesus comes before. (laughs) But having that experience of connecting with you, connecting with Terry and this other individual, I definitely know that was meant to be. And I had to come full circle with that might happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But uh, one thing it did show me is that you guys all turned out okay and that you might have had hard times but that you found a way to get through them and that was I think that was more important for me to see this past year Hmm. so
0: yeah you you shared that with me and I thought I thought that was uh I don't know uh, the fact that you were able to see that and that you were able to take that understanding away from that
1: yeah right I mean it could just be oh yeah reconnect with someone on Facebook that I'm Gonna unfollow and that, no, I I I connected with you, and I had no idea that that was your story. And I think people come into your life for a reason at at times, and you may sometimes not recognize that. But I'm very grateful that I've recognized these experiences as just so helpful to me.
0: Do you feel like you, um? Do you feel like you see the world differently? now than you did before November, 2021?
1: I do. I mean, I I like Mariah Carey's Christmas song. That's that's number one. Huge, huge, huge. I don't know if that's good or bad, but no, I, I definitely do. I think for the first, you know, I still wake up and think, Oh my gosh, I'm alive. What a miracle. I'm, I am so grateful to be alive. And I do think of, I, I try to find more meaning in my day, but that doesn't mean that some days just still just suck, mm. you know, it's just life. But no, I, I truly, I cry a lot more. I mean, I, I cried here and there, but no, every time there's a commercial even on or a preview, I'm with my kids. They always turn <laughs> to see, is she crying? <laughs> <laughs> like, is she going to, she going to be okay? Uh, and I try to, I'm a little more discerning about who I am spending time with so that it, it does have meaning you know, and, yeah. and what I'm doing. Um, that's not to say January is the worst. I mean, I think we could all just sit and be on our phones and that's okay. Cause we got to just get through yeah. January, not having that sun, uh, is affecting.
0: We do have it today though. We
1: have it today. It's nice. It's been a while, but no, I definitely feel differently. Uh, even work. I know there's things that I would stress over that now I'm like, oh my gosh, I stressed over that hmm. in the, in, is this going to matter in, five minutes or an hour or a week. And if the answer is no to all of those, then I try to move on. And so, yeah, I think I've, I, I never want to go through that experience again. Uh, but I do know that I've gained a lot of tools that hopefully will help me just in everyday life.
0: I just love that you were able to, to look at, um, these three individuals you had met, including me, And come to peace about something that was a big concern for you, right? To be able to see that and recognize that, um, that takes that takes a level of awareness that um, I I know I didn't have that my whole life. You know, I I didn't, and I'm, I'm, you know, some of the things that I've been going through again. I don't have cancer, but there, some of the things have have really made me be more aware of things like that. And I see the the joy and I see answers where I never saw answers before.
1: That's great. I mean, that's, that's all we can ask for in this life. I, I, I truly think there's worse things. There are worse things than the cancer I had. I mean, I'm healthy now. It was a bad year, but there's people faced with addiction that's never ending. There's yeah uh, never ending poverty, never ending abuse. There's, I think you have to be able to find perspective when you're going through a hard time, not to, you know, diminish what you're going through, but it does help you to say like, Oh, I can get through this. I can do this. And, and yeah, hopefully you, you do learn tools that can help you, uh, have a better situation.
0: And, and also, um, to be able to take what what you've learned, and to be able to, I guess, pay it forward is the the, the term. You know, to be able to understand these things. Like I I, I listen to you talk. We talked a little bit before as well, and I just think I I get the sense from you that if you meet somebody or you know of, know of somebody who's going through something like this or just some hard time, that you would take what you have learned, step up, and you would go to them and be there for them. Um, and the ability to do that is, I don't know, I, I think about stuff that I've gone through. And when, I'm, when I've am when i gone through it, I just think, I don't want to do that. But then when you get out on the other side and, and you're still alive, you wake up in the morning, you're still alive. And the ability to say, I can take this and, pay it forward. I, I, I get that sense from you. Absolutely. That you would do that. Have you had yeah. the opportunity to? Yes.
1: Yes. I, I mean, I try to, I don't, I'm not perfect at it, but I definitely, um, I love, I love stuff like that before. I love people. I love connecting with people and having fun. And, and I remember when my grandma, you know, she had a really hard life. Uh, she lost two husbands tragically at a hmm. young age and, uh, divorced a husband that it didn't work out and sounds like may not have been a good situation. But I remember as a young child, like taking her cane and dancing for all the time. Mm. I just, I, you know, we all love knowing that we made someone feel better. And, um, so yeah, I think that's something that always has been in inside of me, but I think having had this situation in my life, it's really a gift in one way in that If I, if you, it does make you think a lot more about death, but you get that time, you know, you could plan your funeral, you could do things that that would help you be at peace about it. Whereas there's other people that aren't so fortunate and it's wasn't expected and it happened suddenly. And, um, so I try to look at that too, that it's a gift that I was able to reflect on death Mm -hmm. and, um, you could be afraid of it, but again, how can you use tools to help you come to terms with it and, yeah. and be open to what God's going to do to bring those answers to you.
0: You know, we talked about this a little bit earlier too, before we came on the podcast that, um, you know, that train, that train's coming for all of us. Right. right? And, and to pretend like it's not to avoid that truth. Um, I, I, th- I think, it, well, I'll say it in the positive accepting the truth that it's coming for us all it helps us to live a more meaningful life, helps us to deepen relationships with other people, and and see the beauty in life and look for and and see the miracles as you mentioned. Just the the under the, the willingness to accept that yeah it's coming and not be scared of it. Mm-hmm. It is scary because we don't know, but accepting that truth.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, that's isn't that the goal? And it's my goal. I I know it doesn't have to be. I know there's people that don't do that, and it's a living hell. You know, when you hear if they're if you're bitter at God or bitter at whatever it is that you know, which you can easily see how you could be that way yeah. and get stuck in that. But that's not the route that I think helps you in life and and helps other people and it's it's a harder one to climb out of
0: yeah I guess there's two truths we're talking about here truth number one is we're alive in this world together truth number two we're gonna die so taking those two truths together we're here and we're not gonna be here at some point so what do we do to make this here and now meaningful for us and for people that we are around you know, how can we lift other, how can we lift ourselves so that we can lift, lift other people? So, um, is, is there one or two things that, that you feel like you t- have, can take away, that you've taken away from your experience so far? Something that you can say today that, and I'm putting you on the spot here, <laughs> but is there something that you could say that today that you didn't think about before, but now you cherish or, or a truth that you are going to do?
1: Mm, yeah I do I mean I think above all love you know Mm. love is more important than being right or um, and I think too, being open to you know back to your poem I remember one boss of mine a long time ago we were talking about a certain child in their case um, said, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. And I think there's truth to that with health, with, with a lot of things. I think being open to being vulnerable, being able to put yourself out there and acknowledge bad, but, you know, just as I've said, look for the good. And, and it's, it takes practice. But I think having that has really made my life more meaningful. I thought I did it. Uh, before cancer, but I I pay much more attention to it now. And I, um, but I don't think any of those things would have helped me as much if I didn't love people and you know and not take personally when people want to make it about themselves or insert themselves. You just gotta love them.
0: Yeah, one thing that I've learned because I, I feel the same way. And one thing that I've learned is. If you don't know how to be vulnerable, just start trying, you know, and be clumsy at it. And sometimes you're going to overshare. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're going to share with the wrong person. But just be clumsy about it and have love for yourself first. Be kind and gentle with yourself first. And then you can be clumsy going forward. And it doesn't matter the missteps you make because you're there for yourself.
1: I love that. Yeah, we're all... I mean we're all human, right? We're flossom. We're full of flaws. Flossom. <laughs> flossom. Okay. Flossom. I think
0: I'm gonna write that in click review for you. Flossum. <laughs>
1: Flossum. And and trying, I guess that's the important key word that you use. You've you you have to keep trying. And now I'm just, you know, a forty something year old. I'm curlier, I'm curvier, I've <laughs> Uh, all my friends it seems like the more we get together the more health problems we talk about
0: voluptuous use the word right. voluptuous there you go. that's a great word
1: so i i think having people good people in your life and making sure that you look for the meaning in it is is going to make all the difference
0: well i'm glad you're in my life now i love that we've reconnected i look forward to deepening our friendship and um, I really appreciate your coming to be on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Scott. Thanks for getting me more into poetry. I'm yeah. going to, who knows? We'll see what kind of poetry seeps out of me now that I've been.
0: Don't even think about it. it. Just just write it. <laughs> just be flossom. Be flossom. <laughs> be flossom. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, that's it for today.
1: Thank you, Scott. All right.